Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through to 14. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who, were in, who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads, and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. The, uh, the clicker. Well, good morning again, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you. I, uh, yeah, don't have one. Okay, all right. I'll, uh, I'll give it a bit of a wave. Keep your Bibles open if you've got them there in front of you as we, we look at God's Word together in Matthew. I'll pray before we get started. 
Father in heaven, please speak to us this morning in your word, by your spirit, about the gospel of your son. Amen. Today's parable is all about a wedding. Counting it up, I think I've been into around a dozen weddings so far in my life, maybe a few more. Uh, for some of you, that's, that's nothing, but, but you know, it's, it's been enough to give me a sense for what it takes to actually get ready for a wedding. And that's actually quite a lot. There's a lot that goes into getting ready for a wedding. You've got to buy a wedding present, pick your clothes, iron your clothes, polish your shoes. In my case, I actually managed to break my dress shoes last year dancing, so in my, in my case, buy new dress shoes. There's a lot that goes into getting ready for a wedding. The most important thing you've got to do, though, in being invited to a wedding is to RSVP. It's to respond, to say that you're coming. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, it doesn't matter what present you bring, you won't have a, get, you won't have a seat when you get there. <laughs> Sorry, let me just see if we can get this to work. Make it a little bit easier as we go. There we go. Taylor and I have had the experience uh, a couple of times now where we've received an invite in the mail, we stick it to the fridge as you do, but then over the next few days, maybe weeks, we end up walking past the fridge, glancing to the side, and then having a heart attack because we realised we still hadn't RSVP'd. Today, Jesus tells a, a final parable in a set of three that... Uh, it's telling us that we have an invite stuck to our fridge door. God is throwing a party, and you need to respond. Now, because it's a parable, we won't go verse by verse like an argument. Rather, we're going to look at four important ideas, four important truths. The first important truth is that God is throwing a party. Jesus starts the story by saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this. In verse 2, it's like a king who's putting on a wedding banquet. The first thing for us to see is that heaven is going to be like the best party that you've ever been to, like an amazing wedding feast. You see, that's not actually just a useful analogy that, that Jesus likes to use for parables. It's not like when Jesus, for example, says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. In this case, when we hear Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast, that should be ringing a few bells for us. And that's because an enormous feast is a key image that God uses in the Bible to describe what he's bringing. Back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 25, we see this. Isaiah is prophesying about God's kingdom to come, about heaven, and he says in verse 6, The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. God says that what's coming is a feast, a celebration after God has rescued us, has defeated all our enemies, defeated sin and death itself. And the image is picked up again at the other side of the Bible in Revelation. Revelation chapter 19, uh, God is giving John a glimpse of the future. And what does he see? He sees a wedding party being prepared. An angel says to John, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding of Jesus, Jesus being the lamb. So when we hear Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is like 
a wedding feast. That's a really significant image. And so it's worth us stopping and, and asking ourselves, do you actually believe that? Are you actually looking forward to that? What I'm getting at is I think that it's easy for us to end up with a negative picture of the gospel and, and of what heaven is going to be like. Negative meaning always thinking about it in terms of what it isn't rather than what it is. We can say Jesus has taken away sin and guilt and shame, and that means that there isn't judgment from God, which is true and fantastic news, but it's just the beginning of the good news. You see, when Jesus says that heaven is like a wedding feast, he's reminding us that the good news about what Jesus has done, about the new and amazing thing that he's bringing, it's that it's a wedding feast. He's reminding us that heaven is going to be like the most amazing party that you've ever been to. Are you excited by that? You see, I think it's easy for us to get our hopes dampened or or even ruined a little bit by the the misconceptions and the ideas that people can have around about what heaven is going to be like in movies and books, that sort of thing. Some people can, for example, think that heaven is going to be a little bit like a monastery with about as much fun as you'd kind of expect. Or they maybe think it's, it's floating around on clouds playing a harp. I mean, I can't play a harp, but I don't know. It doesn't seem that appealing. But you see, neither of those help us capture what heaven is actually going to be like because Jesus is saying it's like a wedding party. I've only just met all of you. But even despite that, I can still say with great confidence that whatever the picture you have in your mind of what the new creation is going to be like, whether low or high, whatever your expectations, it's going to be better than that. We can say, what can we say to that? But praise God, he's not only saved us then from death and judgment, he saved us for eternal life with him, enjoying him, enjoying everything as life was meant to be. You might say that the good news about Jesus is gooder than you would expect gooder than anyone could have ever predicted. So the next time you're at a a party, next time you're at a wedding, enjoying the feast, remember this parable. Remember the fun that you're having, the the good foods, the dancing, the celebration with friends. And remember that, if you pardon the pun, that's just a foretaste of what's to come. God himself is throwing a party. And so that's our first important truth. God is throwing a party. The second truth is that everyone is invited to the wedding feast. Oh, there you go. That would have been good. Everyone is invited to the wedding feast. Wow. Can we go to the next slide? It's worth taking a a moment to pause here and uh, zoom out a little bit in Matthew, since we haven't been able to spend more time in it. This is the third parable that Jesus is telling in this section of the gospel, and all three of these parables in this section are directed at the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the the Sadducees. And uh, in that, the, the first parable is speaking about the hypocrisy of the leaders. The second parable speaks about God's coming judgment on them for rejecting him. Here in this third parable, then, Jesus is elaborating on what that means for the leaders, and for the rest of us. If they're out, then who does make it into God's kingdom? Who can make it 
to the party. Let's have a look. In the beginning, the, uh, the king sets everything up. He gets the food ready to just the right temperature. He, he sends out the messengers to let all the guests know that it's time to come. Amazingly, though, they don't. For now, the thing to see is the king's response. That's what we'll focus on. In verse 8, the king says to the first guest, says of the first guest that they aren't worthy to be included, that they're out. Uh, as Jesus tells the parable, it's clear that the religious leaders are like this first set of guests who refuse the invitation and miss out on the wedding. And what's amazing is, is who does end up coming, who is actually counted worthy. In the, uh, in the second half of the story from verse 8, the king sends out his servants again. But this time it's not to collect all the rich people, the athletes, the politicians, the pop stars, the celebrities that you would expect to come to a royal wedding. No, in verse 9, he tells them to go and find anyone they can off the street. There was actually a situation a little bit like that uh, in real life a decade or so ago. I don't know if you watched the royal wedding of, of Prince William and Kate Middleton back in 2011. I remember it was a, it was a huge event uh, on TVs everywhere. The guest list included plenty of royals and, and celebrities, all the kinds of people you'd expect. But it actually included one person on the guest list who didn't seem to fit the picture. You see, Prince William had actually invited to his wedding a, a woman named Shosna. Shosna wasn't a celebrity. She wasn't a, an athlete. She wasn't a member of parliament, a pop star. She was someone that William had met at a, an event for a charity that he'd supported. Shosna is a young Bangladeshi woman living in London. She had a, a stroke and a series of bad luck, which resulted in her being homeless. She then ended up in a shelter supported by Prince William. She ended up telling her story at an event that the Prince William had attended, and he was so inspired by her story that he ended up inviting her to come to his wedding. So this young woman, Shosna, went from being a seeming nobody, just about living on the streets, to attending the most important wedding in the country, one of the most important weddings in the world at the time. And that's just a little bit like what actually happens in our parable today. Except, and here's the kicker, the king doesn't just invite one unusual guest. They're all like that. In verse 10, you can see that the servants succeed. They find everyone they can to fill up the wedding hall, the good and the bad. And that teaches us this second important truth, that everyone is invited to be part of God's kingdom, to enjoy the wedding party that God's preparing. There are two simple consequences for us from this. It means that you're invited, and it means that they're invited as well. Kind of straightforward, but let's unpack those two a little bit. If I were to ask somebody on the street, who will get into heaven? I reckon a pretty common answer to that would be something along the lines of good people. But do you see how that's not how the parable goes? The servants bring in everyone, good and bad. You might be somebody who's still considering Christianity, who wants to know more about what Jesus actually offers. You might have thought that you're not good enough for God, that you've stuffed up too much, you've ruined your life. I don't know, but wherever you're at, whatever your story is, the amazing news that Jesus is telling us is that you're invited to God's party. You're invited to join God's people, to join the wedding party that's to come. Everyone 
is invited. It's not something that you need to qualify for. It's a free invite. And so you're invited. But it also means that that free invite should change our attitude towards other people as well. Because it means that they're invited as well. So you're invited, but but they're invited as well. Because sometimes I think we can be too quick to think that we're worthy of being included uh, in God's people, that we're worthy of the invite that God has given us. And we can end up looking down our noses at other people in our life. Uh, Other people we think that aren't quite the kinds of people that God would be interested in, that maybe don't belong. We might think God's gracious and all, but, but them? Really? In doing that, I think we can subtly and slowly forget that we didn't earn our invite either. And so we can end up turning up our noses at, at, at other people. Often it's people who are different than us. But that's totally wrong. And it's something that we need to repent of. I don't know who they are for you, but pause for a moment and reflect. Do you think that there are people in your life, are there people in your life that you might never bother inviting to church or telling Jesus about or or reading the Bible with? Maybe you think they don't seem interested. Perhaps more honestly, because they don't seem like the kind of people that you think God would be interested in. Jesus is saying that everyone is invited, which means whoever you're thinking of, they're invited. So, never hesitate to invite anyone to know Jesus, to join the wedding party, to come, because everyone's invited. That means you, and it means them too. All right, let's have a look at our third point. The third important truth for us to see in the parables is the need to respond, the need to RSVP. Setting the scene, the year is 2016. After going through, uh, going to a few weddings over the years, I was thinking to myself that they seemed like a lot of fun, so I decided I should get married as well. I still remember the stress of it all. I confess Taylor did more of the organising than I did, but I remember at least that organising guest lists and, and waiting for people to RSVP was a uh, We needed, though, to lock in meals. We needed to sort out seating plans. So people needed to RSVP so we could uh, guarantee them a seat. Friends, Jesus is saying that God's kingdom's a wedding party that you need to RSVP to, and you need to do it now. Because if you don't, you're not going to get a seat. In the parable, we see a bunch of people who, who don't respond, or perhaps rather don't respond well. And there are two different ways that they do that. Uh, That actually shows us two ways that we can be tempted to respond poorly. Uh, We can be tempted to reject God's kingdom and the party to come. The first bad response is apathy. Apathy, it's not caring about God and what he's offering you. Have a look at verse 5. Jesus describes the first group as paying no attention. They're just doing the mundane stuff of life their normal weekend chores. Yet when the king's invite arrives, they seem to think nothing of it. It doesn't seem to be worth it to them. Can you imagine being invited to a royal wedding, but then deciding not to go because your floors could do with a mop? 
You know, you needed to blow the leaves off your, your driveway. It's crazy. And yet, thinking about our country for a moment, I reckon most Aussies actually tend to act like that. Maybe they believe in God or a God. Maybe they don't believe anything at all. But, but either way, it doesn't really seem to matter. They're just going to live life how they want. What do I need God for anyway? And that can be a real problem for us. There's a warning, of course, if that's you. That if you're not a Christian, if God doesn't seem to have much of a place in your life, you've got to respond properly to God's invite or be trapped out in the darkness as the parable goes. But it's also a reminder and a warning for Christians because, you see, it's, it's the world that we live in. That's the default attitude of our friends, of our work colleagues, of our family apart from Jesus. That's the standard secular Aussie attitude. And so I think it's easy for us to get dragged in by that, to slowly push Jesus out, to follow the crowd, to to let the gospel fall to the fringes of life, to end up thinking more about the next promotion, the next holiday, or how quickly we can save up for the new car, whatever it is we can end up slowly turning away from Jesus. But that results in missing out on the wedding, on missing out on God's good plans. You can't respond to God's invite with apathy, or you're going to miss out. The second bad response is outright rebellion. Can you go next slide? We see that in verse 6. The rest of the people grab the servants and kill them. Not only do they reject the king and his invite, but spit in, the God, uh, spit in the king's face. And that's actually how God's prophets have been treated all throughout Israel's history, remember. And more than that, Jesus knows that soon after this parable, the religious leaders will be plotting to kill him too. It's a picture of outright rebellion of, against God, rejection of his rule and of his son, a rejection of God's righteous rule in favor of selfish autonomy. But what happens next? Judgment. The king responds by sending his soldiers to kill the murderers and destroy their city. To reject God's gracious invitation is to face God's righteous judgment. It's the consequence for the bad responses that we've seen. And that's why your response matters. At the end of the day, all of us will have to stand before God and and to give an account of how either we've accepted the life and the forgiveness that Jesus offers freely, or how we've ignored God or even spit in his face. There is no third option. And that, I think, is is the challenge of this parable. God's inviting everyone, inviting you to be part of his kingdom, to enjoy this amazing wedding feast that he's preparing. Are you going to respond well? Or are you going to be like the people who reject the king and face judgment? Well, what does responding well actually look like then? Uh, that's that's going to be our, our fourth point, responding rightly. A common way that, that Christians have often summarized this of how we respond is faith and repentance, two ideas which are really two sides of the same coin. It's turning to Jesus to accept the invite, to accept the forgiveness of sins that he freely offers in Jesus, and it's at that same time turning away from your own sin, your own self-rule, to live with God as your God and King. That's repentance. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard that before. 
but it's returning, worth returning to, to think about because faith and repentance isn't just something that's to do with the start of your Christian life when you begin to follow Jesus. It's actually something that shapes how you always live as a follower of Jesus. Looking at the parable, I'll mention just two things here. Firstly, it's faith in Jesus which matters, not just any old faith. You see that in the example of the religious leaders. They were super faithful, in a sense, super religious. They seemed to be God's best followers. They knew the Bible forwards and backwards. They knew all the laws and very publicly seemed to be keeping them. And yet, in these set of three parables, Jesus is showing them just how far they actually are from God. Why? Because they've rejected Jesus. Responding to God's invite means coming to Jesus. I've heard it said before that that what really counts, what God actually cares about, is just that you're genuine, that you live out well, whatever faith that you are we were born into, be the best Muslim that you can be, be the best Buddhist that you can be, even be, be the best humanist that you can be. But friends, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were more serious about living out their beliefs than any of us, probably. Yet Jesus is saying that they are out of the kingdom because they rejected Jesus. So don't listen to the lie that it's just your genuineness or the seriousness of your faith that matters. It's who you have faith in. Accepting the invite to the party means turning to Jesus. That's what matters. And secondly, it needs to be a real faith. It needs to be a real response to God's invitation. Let's here have a look at the last bit of the parable. The second group comes in. The wedding hall is is packed. Uh, Then at this point, the king goes in to see his guests. What he does, he finds a man who isn't dressed for the wedding. He gives him a chance to explain himself, but he has no excuse. See there in verse 12 that he's speechless. And what does the king do? He has him thrown out. The language in verse 13 of of weeping, of gnashing and gnashing of teeth comes up elsewhere in the Gospels, and it's a clear picture of being under God's judgment. At the end of the parable then, there's a guy who seems like he did respond to the invite, but he faces God's judgment as well. What's going on? Well, I think the answer is that it's meant to show us that People can hang around the wedding without actually accepting the invite. People can seem to respond to Jesus without having a real faith or a living repentance. See, it's a picture of a guy who gets this amazing invitation to a, to a royal wedding that he doesn't deserve, but he doesn't see the honour that it is. He doesn't take it seriously. He doesn't put on his best clothes and wash up before he arrives. Maybe he thinks he can just hang around the back of the wedding hall, eat the food without getting caught. Sadly, I think many people respond to Jesus that way. Many people say in some way, sure, I'm a Christian, I go to church. But in reality, they don't actually rely on and trust Jesus as their saviour. They don't actually care about trying to follow God. So as we finish listening to the parable, it's important to ask if that's you. Are you someone who, who comes to church, who enjoys the company, enjoys the coffee, having friends to spend time with on Sunday. Maybe you were even raised going to church. 
but you still haven't actually submitted to Jesus as king. You haven't actually turned to God in faith and repentance. You haven't actually accepted the invite. Anyone who does that is like this man who turns up for the food and not for the king. We need to hear the warning. It's, it's not just the people who ignore God entirely who miss out. It's people who on the surface respond, but their heart's not in it. People for whom it's, it's never been about Jesus, just about what the Christian label can give me day to day. But see, you need to respond with real faith. And that's faith that changes your life, faith that prompts you to live differently. If you've been a Christian for many, many years, but your faith doesn't make a difference in your life, then that's a little bit like a warning light on the dashboard of your life, telling you that something's wrong. Or if if your faith is just something that you don't take as seriously as you used to. Maybe, unlike in the beginning, you're a little too comfortable with God's grace. Maybe you take it for granted. That's a warning sign. Don't be like the man without a wedding garment. You need to respond with a real faith in Jesus that changes how you live. Because as Jesus says, many people are called to the wedding, but fewer are chosen. Fewer are accepted by the king at his feast. Everyone's invited to God's heavenly wedding party, but not everyone in the world who claims to follow God is chosen by God. Not everyone has a real faith in Jesus. And that's a warning that we need to take seriously. So, Some big important truths in this parable then for us to see. Jesus is is teaching us that we all have a free invite from God to what is going to be the best wedding party that you've ever experienced. And that's something for us to look look forward to, to get excited about. You've just got to RSVP now, so you don't miss out on getting a seat. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that Although none of us have earned your favour, you've freely invited us to be part of the wedding to come. Help us to see the goodness of what you're preparing for us and and enable us to respond well, trusting in Jesus for forgiveness and life eternal. Amen.